Seven is a number, both prime and divine. Seven yeah. is a number, both prime and divine. Seven is a do. number, both prime All and divine. Seven is a number, Check both prime and divine. United like the Justice League, we unlimited. Five transformed into seven, magnificent amalgamation. Super Saiyan, we ain't playing. 106.5 is the radio station. Triple Nation is the name of the tribe. 610-267-215 All around the globe in every area code Online, on air, whatever the mode Days and nights, live or recorded Listeners rewarded with the rawness Keeping it flawless like a Batman plan Jedi flips or a Spider-Man handstand Peace to every geek we stand for From Kronos to the bottom city of Candor We about to catch wreck Turn up your set, black triples on deck. Y'all know what time it is. Black triples in your area. Let's go. Boys and girls, cats and kittens, children of all ages, you are looking live on YouTube, Black Tribbles, Facebook, in the Tribble Nation Facebook page. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bad Tribble. Welcome to a brand spanking new edition of Black Tribble. <laughs> hey, holla at your boy and give it up as always as I am joined on these beautiful streams by the man right there. What's the deal? It's your man, our son, voice the reason, a.k.a. The Super Tribble, the brand of steel, the comic book Jedi. At the Mountain Comics Coffee House, I miss you guys. And yeah, how you doing? And the other guy right over there. Hey, what's going on, everybody? <laughs> it's Dark Joker's Intro, aka Spectrum Tribble, here to make your Thursday nights feel good, but also make your Friday nights feel delightful. All right. And <laughs> after that soul, after that soulful, <laughs> sultry intro, <laughs> intro, we have that Tribble. Right there. What's up, good people? It's your friendly neighborhood comic and coffee slinger, your girl, the Amalgam Triple, a.k.a. Uncandy Triple, a.k.a. Bruce Leroy Triple. Show up. In the building. Missing everybody. And we miss all of you, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight is a very special evening on Black Tribbles because we are proud and honored to be bringing you a very special guest. This man has credits longer than Dante's intro, yet <laughs> he is taking the time to join us here on Black Tribbles. He is the storyboard artist for such amazing animated shows as the Care Bears, Bucky O'Hare. He actually was a producer and director on G.I. Joe the movie, and he was a longtime producer and director on the cherished and the beloved X-Men, the animated series, Triple Nation. Show your love for one <laughs> Mr. Larry Houston in the building. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you. What's up, Larry? <laughs> Thank you for joining I'm us. I'm doing sir. fine out here, man. I'm doing fine. It's great. You know, um, everything's cool out here. I'm, I'm out here in Los Angeles. Uh, well, actually, Moore Park. I'm about an hour out of Los Angeles. And so, pretty good day. And I'm enjoying it. 
and with great company here. I, I, this is really going to be uh, a great show. I want to see, want to say, want to tell everyone and answer every question I can as soon as I can remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, first of all, I mean, uh, there there are probably some people who are going to be watching this show on YouTube and on face and on in our Triple Nation Facebook group who are going to love seeing you, Larry. But they're also probably going to be saying, "Hey, can you just move over a little bit because they want to watch the cartoon that's going on." <laughs> they, yeah, they want to see yeah, some like X Men. Yeah. They want to watch that animated series back there. It's, it's, it's the Wolverine episode, too. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's the one from, uh, from Canada where they meet Alpha Flight. Yeah. And um, a little something people don't know about that episode is that when it was written, uh, the character Snowboard was excluded from the show because they, for some reason, they ran out of budget for how many voice actors they had. So she got taken out of the script. And so when I saw it, and the storyboards came in, I put, I actually, I drew into the show so that the fans wouldn't be disappointed. So, but you'll notice when you see it, she has no, no dialogue because I had no time to record anything. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I, I drew her into the show. I gave her some action and I made her part of the plot. Uh, I think in act three, where she's the reason why they break, break in and try and stop the experiment. So I did a lot of course correcting a lot during either the during the artworks artwork stage or um, you know uh, maybe a bad piece of dialogue or whatever. Right. You know, I would edit everything to make sure it followed the uh, X Men mythology as close as possible. And and that's because the X Men meant so much to you, just as that series meant so much to. Uh, each and every one of us and all of the people that are, are watching. Uh, Mr. Sanson, who's actually watching us right now from Brazil, says that he grew up watching X-Men animated <laughs> back in 1994. Oh, man. It, yeah. That's got to do you, because I've seen that you've gone to like different conventions and, and, and things like mm -hmm. that and public appearances. And I would imagine, and I don't mean to put words into your mouth, but I would imagine that it never gets old hearing how much this show meant to people growing up. It means a lot to me because hearing people talk about the show and how much it meant to them, because at the time, we, I had no idea, you know, especially the first season, I had no idea anybody liked the show. Really? But I have been trying to give, you yeah. know, uh, oh, during the um, first year of the X-Men, um, most of the executives thought we were doing everything wrong. And, um, and so I knew being some old fan fanboy from like the back in the sixties and stuff, I'm 65 now. And, uh, so I had all this, this Marvel comics stuff in my head. I was a fanboy from a way long time ago. And I knew exactly how to make the X-Men work, mm -hmm. but it wasn't until I got a chance to be the director of the show that I got a chance to do it the way I wanted to do it. And so, um, that first year I, that first year was pretty much, there's no internet. There's no way to gauge likes and dislikes and stuff. So I had to uh, direct the show from the, my gut feeling as being a fanboy and also being having 12 years as a director directing other shows. And I just kind of blended those two things together to make the X-Men show that you guys saw. Um, okay, well, that begs the question because 
you're saying that they thought they didn't know it would work. And you said that, you know, you really were able to put your stamp on it once you became the uh, the director moved up, you know, moved up to change yeah. to become director on it. When it hit that first seat, that first season, were you, because you were working on it, were you working on it as a, uh, a storyboard artist or just working on, on the production side? No, I was the producer director of the entire thing. I had the whole show was on my shoulders to make sure that the show came together okay. and was a great show. So I was in charge of, I was, in charge of all the everything visual. I was the art director, storyboard artist, timing director. Um, I was doing everything to make the show work properly. Right. Now my background is that, yeah, and my background is that I started working at Marvel in like 1981, I think. I worked with Stan Lee. Really? And back then I was just a story. Yeah, I was a, I was a storyboard artist. I worked for Stan for like nine, you know, about 12 years. Oh wow. Working like and hand we in doing- hand with Stan Lee. Uh, yeah, on a lot of different things, a lot of different shows we were doing back. We were doing the uh, Spider-Man is Amazing Friends. We were doing the Hulk, um, shows like that. And I was involved. If Stan was involved, I was involved, too. And we were trying to make the shows, you know, uh, as best we can. Because back then, there was only two, net, three networks, CBS, NBC, and ABC. So we were... Yeah, they were, they were on ABC. They were, they were NBC shows, right? If I remember yes. correctly, yeah. And so as a board artist, I kept... Every time they had a script coming up that had a little piece of the X-Men in the script, I grabbed that and said, look, I, I want to storyboard that. I want to do that. And I kept trying to showcase the X-Men over and over and over again to try and get the networks to show them what kind of a show this could be. Right. And uh, my, my boss at the time was Margaret Lesh and Stan Lee. Okay. And they found, yeah, and they found the money to do a pilot called Pride of the X-Men. I'm one of the uh, co-directors of that, those three of us. Um, Will Minio, Rick Holbrook, and myself. And we did the pilot ourselves. We got the Japanese company to do the animation. And um, we did a real good job. It it had a lot of compromises, but we figured, hey, let's get it out there and see if we can get it sold. And it didn't, it didn't sell. It didn't unfortunately. S- we put it, yeah, it didn't sell at the time. It was like 86, 87, somewhere back there. Why do you think you didn't uh, sell? Because in the 80s, the X-Men were certainly hot. I mean, they were one of the number one, if not the number one comic book in the land. With comic book people, yeah. But see, we're dealing with CBS, ABC, and NBC network executives. They have no idea. They didn't know what a mutant was. They didn't know what the X-Men was. It was just like, what the hell you, what the heck you talking about, you know? So hell is fine. Hell is fine. <laughs> FCC said hell is fine. Trust me. We- hell is fine. Okay. Now take that. Like six years later, my boss, which was Margaret Lash, she became the CEO of Fox Kids Network. That's right. I remember when, that. Okay. Yeah. And, I when, and when she did, she called me, Will Minio, Rick Holberg, uh, Eric Leewald, and said, "I have the power to greenlight the show. We're going to put the X Men on the air." Wow, and that's how that's how it got on air because mainly because of Margaret Lesh, she's the unsung hero that most people don't know that it was because of her, and she knew how well I believed in the X Men as a show that it, that she hired me to t- take over the show, and uh, shepherd it into the series that you guys saw. Wow, that's, that's cool. awesome. Yeah, you, and so you- um, go ahead. No, I was going to ask. I wonder, you know, because there are there were other superhero, and like what 
gave people pause with the X-Men? Was it um, like too many characters? Did they think like, oh, that won't keep children's attention? Whereas like, you know, if you're focusing on the Hulk, if you're focusing on Spider-Man, that's one kind of solitary focus as opposed to this ensemble uh, property. Uh, back, you got to remember, back in the 80s and early 90s, a successful show to them was either Scooby-Doo or Super Friends. That's true. And what we were trying to do was not that. Right. We wanted to do something okay. that was elevated above that, and they didn't. it didn't appeal to them, so it didn't, it didn't go anywhere. Um, see? See? I feel like that's what happened with Gargoyles, too. It was too deep, <laughs> and people weren't ready. It was too yeah. deep. <laughs> So even Wolverine the, uh, putting a claw through a piece of fruit wasn't enough to catch people's attention. <laughs> Spider-Man and Amazing Friends, because I remember that vividly, man. That was yeah. He had an Australian accent, if I remember correctly. Yes. Oh my God, I'm going, never going to live this down. <laughs> Larry, don't tell us you're the one you put the Aussie accent on on Wolverine. Larry, I'm going to put no. you on Front Street right now. Did you put the Aussie accent on Wolverine, Larry? I did not, thank God. But we were, when we got the money to do the uh, Pride of the X-Men, it was part of the money came from someone who had the toy money. Okay. And at the time, uh, he thought the guy with the toy, see, we, the first bad guy we wanted to use in Pride of the X-Men was the Sentinels. Of course. But the guy with the money wanted to sell toys. So that's why it became uh, Magneto and all those other characters. Oh. And also the same people said, Hey, look, Crocodile Dundee's a popular show. How about making Wolverine? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That's and amazing. Oh, yeah. That's and amazing. believe me, myself and the other, other guys, we kind of clenched our teeth and, and said, well, if it sells, we'll switch it back. We just want to get something on the air, you know? Right, right, right. And so right. that's where that came from. You know, it was Very no. Dope. Oh Very God, dope. no! I didn't want to do that. No, these people have no respect, no <laughs> respect uh, nope. for canon. Nope, not at all. <laughs> That's amazing. That has that to be is... frustrating as like a true fan, and you're trying to deal with people who just don't get it, and it's like, no, 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 you can't change that. You can't change that. Yeah, I mean, and, and part of what happened was is that because of that experience, when we got the chance to do the X Men we ran into the same type of mentality that wanted to change what we were doing into Scooby-Doo or um, Super Friends. Mm. And we had many, we had many political fights before even one character was drawn where they tried to um, make us change things and add toys and, and, and add funny talking animals. And we had to respectively, you know, tell them, hey, oh, no, that's, this is not that, but that's a good idea. But, Let's th we'll think about, it. you know, we were trying to put them off politically and it got to a point where they were asking for it to the point where they were saying, you will do this. You will do that. And at that point, all of us, it was like five of us. We said, we told them, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but we told them like, if that's what you want, we're the wrong creative team and all five of us are quitting right now. Wow. And we made them back off. Nice. Yeah, we had to stand up. We had to stand our stand our ground because, like on that Pride of the X Men, that that taught us a lesson about standing up for the integrity of the show. And so, they did back off, but they also thought it was a terrible idea that it was going to be one season, one and done. And so, they didn't give us any publicity, and they didn't micromanage me. 
which actually turned out to be great because then I said, I was thinking to myself, well, I'm just going to do it. The show I want to do. Exactly. I'm going to do the show. I, if I was a young nine-year-old kid, I want, I tried to make the show into something that he would like that I would like if I was that young. And so that's what I did. I just changed everything. I redrew everything. I brought in my comic book collection to work. We put it on a, there was no internet, so you couldn't, you couldn't do right. stuff. Right. And uh, I Xeroxed off some of the best pages. I gave it to the art department to do the characters. And um, the people who were writing this, the episodes, uh, Eric Lewall was the uh, story director. Mm-hmm. They had no idea what the X-Men were. Wow. And so I had all this, uh, what, four decades of knowledge in my head. And I was able to educate them on who, you know, who Cyclops, who's who this character, that character. Right. Who's the relationship? Who likes this and stuff like that? And we brought it all together. And uh, they were really good at, at writing character dramas. And, mm-hmm. I was, and I had all this X-Men thing in my head so I could tell them, no, that's right, that's wrong. Right. And so that first season, that's how we, we pulled it together. And uh, the, how did you remember, cl- um, go ahead. How did you go about selecting the members who would be the, co- the core group for the show? As opposed to because even even then, by then, you know, there were mutants and mutants aplenty all over Marvel. So how do you decide which ones you're going to pare down? Because you can't do I mean, while you can bring in everybody like for a cameo here and there, there's got to be like a, a set group. Talking with the edit, story editors, they they had to narrow it down to because, you know, the X-Men is like an army. Right. And so they figured it's a 22 minute episode. They pared it down to maybe eight characters that they figured they could service those characters mm-hmm. and give them their, their time in the sun. Um, they, it was like they had to have a certain, they had to limit it to number. Right. So eight was the number they figured they could deal with. And in the beginning, actually, uh, Beast wasn't, was not in the show. Neither was Jean Grey. But as the writers started writing the, the episodes, suddenly... But inner dynamics didn't work anymore. You had to include Gene, and then you had to include the Beast. Yeah. And so in order to accommodate the Beast, what they did was we included them into the show, and then we just put them in jail for like 13 <laughs> episodes. <laughs> and uh, so we could we could cut back to him. How you doing, Beast? You know, go back and forth, and then at 13 episode, he gets free. But just that way we could, just out yeah. in the yard lifting every now and then. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Lifted with his feet. That, I'm yep. sorry, just real quick. The, I, I think it was a question. Somebody asked you a question about Beast on Twitter, and you were telling, saying a story of how he had, why the, the reason he had his backpack. That, that was oh, kind right. of interesting. Yeah, what it was is that, um, as far as the the muscle of the of the team, it's actually going to be Rogue because she can knock the, knock the stuffings out of anybody. Right around. So what I wanted to do with Beast, because he's the scientist, he's the guy who creates everything. It would make sense if he had like a a, a portable backpack that had a lot of technology built into it, so that when he went, he's in a situation. You know, sometimes you didn't know what the writer was going to write, and I didn't want to have, you know, uh, an analyzer something gimmick in his hands. Like where did it come from? Right. So by giving him the backpack, he had access to stuff back here. And I also gave it offensive weapons, weapons so he could actually participate in a battle more so than just being a strong person. Um, he had other options that were that 
the, the, it made the character more interesting. And you could do a lot of uh, visual uh, tricks with the, with the gimmicks and stuff that he had on his backpack. Mm. Um, so that was something I added to, to, make it, to make it more interesting than just a strong you know, character. Oh, that's, that also sounds like something that could definitely be marketed as as a toy that you can rip from the wrapper. Oh, yeah. You know, so, so you know, you got to think there, too. I see where you're going, Larry. I see what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was something the toy company didn't ask me. I just created it on my own because I wanted to give Beast more stuff to do in a scene other than being strong and jumping around, you know. Okay. Well, I, I really was asking about how you... you got that core group basically to to hide my real question is why'd you put cyclops on the show like i'm <laughs> like i'm i'm sorry Shut up, Glenn. I'm, you know. why couldn't he be well, in jail why couldn't he be in jail <laughs> well you know we it, he was he obviously he was part of the original pride of the x-men mm-hmm. and um you know, you think about his power of super strength is actually duplicated with Rogue. And they also wanted to they also they wanted to make the team so everybody's powers didn't overlap each other. You know, obviously Gene Gray and Xavier are the exceptions, but they wanted to have different powers. They also wanted um the, the Marvel East wanted us to include two two new characters at the time. They had only been around for about a year. Uh one was uh, Gambit. And one was Jubilee. Right. And so since the writers only needed eight, so some, you know, characters had to, had to leave. And so that's how that selection came about. It was, it was uh, a lot of it came from Marvel East because they wanted to add those two characters. And they, they didn't want to use, they did not want to use the characters from uh, uh, Pride of the X-Men. So that's how come they got booted out. But we knew we were going to bring them back in like in episodic places like, like we did with um, Iceman, you know, mm-hmm. like, why isn't he part of the group? Well, here's the episode. Why? You know, and when Xavier had a falling out and he walked away, that kind of stuff. Nobody checking for Iceman. Everybody's checking for Iceman. He's an People Omega like level mutant, sir. Don't, he wasn't no yeah. Omega level mutant back in the days no, of no, X-Men no, Animated no. Series. So no, don't even no, give me that no. checking for Iceman yeah, there. Larry wasn't even checking for Iceman Ice there. Man. Larry wasn't. Yeah. They asked him, like, yo, Larry, don't you want Iceman? And he was like, Ice who? He's like, no. <laughs> Do I want ice coffee? No, I'm good. I'm, I'm cool. Right. We'll I'm put good. him in a party scene. He'll be behind the bar. That's exactly where he'll be. Isn't that what you did, Larry? I understand. I know you can't tell them, Larry. You don't want to break the the children's dreams. I understand, Larry. But me and you, we talked. We know. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Got me crying here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the um. What was that? We had a, I think I had a question once about um, the voice. Was it the voice of uh, Apocalypse we were talking about once? Oh, the voice Someone of Apocalypse. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was, Apocalypse. yeah, it was a. It was a an actor called John Calicos, and he actually has a connection to Star Trek. Ooh. Because the, yeah, because the, in the very first season with with our Kirk, you know, the original series, um, they go to. a they go to a planet that looks like it's a very agricultural place and uh, with no defenses and a Kirk lands and then the Klingons come there and they're going to take over the world. And the very first Klingon that Kirk 
runs into is John Calicos. Okay. And so that actor is the same actor who does the voice of Apocalypse. That's the little tangential relationship between those two is that they're both one and the same actor. I I I follow the um uh, another big name in animation, Mark Evanier. I follow his blog, and um, he talks about how a lot of times when he's casting, because he he um, produces and um, directs for the Garfield show, and he talks about a lot of times he gets to cast people, you know, people from that he loved as a child, like, you know, his childhood favorite actors and be able to give yeah. them a role in, in animation, you know, it's just, just something like this does his heart really good. And I know you were just speaking earlier before we went on air about how much of a Star Trek fan you are. And I would imagine being able to give, uh, John Calico's that role probably meant something real special for you. Oh yeah. I mean, I was so happy when he, we heard the auditions and he said he was willing to do it. Um, and when we, you know, a lot of the, at that point, the, the interviews were by, I wasn't physically there. I was, I was uh, listening to the uh, audition by, by phone and all I could hear was the voice and I could see the picture. I'm going, Oh my God, this is <laughs> the perfect acting actor for this, you know? And, you know, it was like perfect casting. Um, just, just, so, just to add, I had the same, um, um, uh, excitement. Uh, when I when I when I left the X Men, I went to produce the second season of Fantastic Four. Okay. And so I got the uh, I got a chance to do the very first animated Black Panther episode on that show, and I was able to cast Keith David as the voice of Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that? He's also Goliath from uh, from the Gargoyles too. Well aware. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was a real. I'm out. I, when I heard the audition, I told him, I told him, that's it. No more auditions. We got the, we got the Black Panther. That's, I don't want anybody else. Well, I mean, when Keith gave, when Keith David just walks into the room and just says, hello, he's like, okay, whatever role you want, <laughs> just, just pick a role yeah, on the script. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's amazing. It perfect. You were, you just said that you want, you, you, directed the second season of that Fantastic Four show um, and were able to do the first depiction of the Black Panther. You've got another first in your uh, quiver, sir, as you were the first uh, African-American story artist on Saturday Morning Cartoons, if if I'm correct. No, you're you're correct in that. And actually, at the time, I didn't realize I'd have broken a a glass ceiling at the time. It wasn't until way later um, there's a friend of mine named Floyd Norman. He's the first black animator over at Disney. Yes. Disney and legend. We were having, we were having, yeah. And we were having lunch together talking and he said, he just casually mentioned, he said, you know, you broke a glass ceiling and I had no idea what it was talking about. And up until that point, there had not been a black storyboarders hired for that position in, in uh, for Saturday morning. Um, there had been people who had done storyboards as animators, mm-hmm. but nobody had been, had been officially hired to be a storyboard artist for Saturday morning. And I, I was the first one. And after I got hired, then a lot of other guys that came in after me. But I was the first one there. And I was at a company called Filmation Studios. Yes, I'm well aware of it. What show at Filmation were you uh, doing the story artist on? The, the very first show was a, a show that was done for Germany called Sports Billy. Oh, so, the- Sports Billy! 
Sport Billy. Oh my God. Sport. <laughs> Sport, Billy Sport Billy was my you know that show? Yes, man. I remember Sport oh my Billy. God. I used to love that craziness. It's insane. <laughs> You're the very first person I've ever met who knows that show. Sport Billy, that thing was nuts. It was utterly insane. Yes, it was. It's the most bizarre thing on TV. Wait, why is this even on? Right? All the time. Oh, man. You're responsible so for that is, mess? Holy smokes. I, the, yeah. my, my, let me give you the quick background on that. Is that um, I think I was 25 years old at the time. I had been working as a computer systems analyst for McDonnell Douglas. Mm. And that's, that's what my background was. I used to fix computers for a living. And um, at, at that age, I, I had this little small epiphany, like, I want to see if I can make it as an artist. Okay. And so I went to filmation. I took a test to be a layout artist, and I failed it twice. Oh, wow. But the, but the, art, but the guy in charge of layouts, his name was Herb Hazeltine saw that when I was in high school, I used to draw my own little comic books, you know, just for my own pleasure. We had, you know, my own version of the Avengers and stuff like that. And uh, so he took, he saw it and said, you might be better being a storyboard artist. So he took me upstairs and introduced me to, uh, to the storyboard supervisor. He gave me a test. I took it home, brought it back. It was on Sport Billy. And he, he liked it. What I didn't realize is that he gave me a live script. Everybody... <laughs> around me was working on the same show. Oh, wow. He liked what I did. He put what I did, drew, into the show. Wow. And that's how I got into the business. Wow. Wow, man. Yo, yeah, I, I just looked so it up. Four Billy was the first show. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just looked it up. Paul Dini wrote for Sport oh. Billy, too. Yes, he did. Yes. Yeah, a lot of us got started there. Oh, on, uh, oh wow! We had, oh man! You know, uh, filmation was really—they did a lot of stuff that most of the studios didn't do. They created the first uh, black superhero couple. Yes, uh, Super Stretch and Micro Woman. Super Stretch and Micro Woman. Yes, yes, yes. They yeah. rocked their their turtlenecks and they had their little dog and they had their fly apartment. Yes, I remember them. Yes, I got the DVD with all their cartoons. Yes, son. Yeah, boy. Me and you, Larry, tonight. Mike, Super Stretch, Mike, whoop. What? You, yeah, cool. You remember that. That's excellent. Holy yeah. smokes. We have, you know, uh, the guy in charge, his name was Lou Scheimer. He was the owner of the studio. He actually did another, he did another. Lou Scheimer, right there. Oh, yeah, that is, that's Lou. He was, a, he was like the best boss I've ever had. Uh, early in my career. Um, really nice guy. He actually, he loved animation. Yes. And uh, he actually, he worked, to, he created a show called Black Star. Yes. Like oh, that was my favorite show ever. I and loved was, Black Star so much. And that was actually a black character. He created a black character yep. for that show. Yep. But, you know, this is 1980. Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't really go over well, so they made him into a like an American Indian type. Kind of light skin ball. He was yeah, he was yeah. a light skin ball. <laughs> yeah, but Lou was good at doing that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, he had Fat Albert and all that kind of stuff going through his uh, studio. But yeah. yeah, that's where I worked on. I my, I got my start at Filmation Studio for about a year and a half. Then I moved over to uh, work with Stan for about the next ten years. So I worked on almost everything. All of their adventure shows. 
my God, Sport Billy and Black Star, you're my new favorite person. You're like my new favorite <laughs> in the world. Do you remember uh, Thundar? Thundar the Barbarian. Thundar was the. That was another. Ugla. I did. I storyboarded about half of the uh, Thundars. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God! And you're the best dude ever. I did about 118 storyboards on Ninja Turtles. Ooh, and oh, um, good stuff. Oh, uh, let's see what else I worked on was uh oh. I got my first directing job on G.I. Joe when they were doing 65 episodes. That's where I started. That's where I got my promotion to work on um, and became a director was on the G.I. Joe syndicated series. Wow. Let me ask you, on your G.I. Joe, did they actually um, shoot straight and hit somebody? Because they were always shooting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just waiting for that episode. I know. I figure it must be it like the cool. missing was- episode of G.I. Joe or something. <laughs> Just everybody. They, they, could, they couldn't hit anything. <laughs> they could hit planes. Yes. They could hit robots, but they couldn't hit anybody else. They couldn't hit it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it but they could like hit the, like they could hit doorknobs and then they could hit like the <laughs> thing that would make the thing fall down on the dude, but they couldn't hit yeah. the dude. That was yeah. that was well, way right. more That was right. Yeah. It was like a lot of A team type, high high action, a lot of lot of uh, visual. But you couldn't hurt anybody. It was like, uh, yeah. So, now, um, oh, I got it. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Were you the one that made the decision that when Duke got hit in the chest with the giant oh, uh, 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 snake Maybe? that turned into a spear, that he wasn't going to die? Because I heard originally he was supposed to die in that episode. He was supposed to die, um, and I was involved with that show on that that movie, and we were in a big meeting. It was like six of us with about two guys from uh, the toy company. And he said, you know, they're killing off Optimus Prime. They're going to kill off Duke. <laughs> and we were asking him, like, why? He said, well, next year's toys. We're going to introduce some new toys. And so now we're going to move him out and move this one in. And we we asked him, like, are you sure you want to do that? And they said, yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. Um, fast forward, they kill off, trans- they kill off Optimus Prime. There's a tremendous amount of parents calling up the toy company going, what the heck have you done? My child is crying. I know. destroy his future. Yes. And they, as a toy company, they were not used to blowback at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they were going nuts. And so they, they came to us on the G.I. Joe going, you have to unkill Duke. <laughs> wow. And, so, and we were in production at the time. And so <laughs> the super... Yeah, so the supervising producer got a sheet of paper. He wrote down and said, okay, here's what it's going to cost. And they went, they blinked. And so the compromise they came up with was, he's in a coma. Mm. You know, it was like, a, it was like, oh, man, you, it's like the worst solution ever. And then he you know, came out of the th- coma, like, right after, right as, like, as soon as they blew up the Cobra base, and they were like, oh, by the way, you came out of his coma. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> It was so stupid. Oh, man. And we tried to talk him out of it, you know, because we had, like myself, I had worked on 65 episodes of the the show. They had this incredible mythology. And I just thought, you you don't want to do this, but you couldn't talk him out of it because it was their their toys. And so they found out the hard way that we were right and they were wrong, you know. (laughs) 
Speaking of toys, Larry, we got a request from uh, uh, someone watching the show on YouTube. Angel Pollard <laughs> wants you to talk about the Care Bears. Talk about That's your work my... on the Care Bears. Yeah. Angel, how you doing? I saw the name go by there. Um, the Care Bears. Um, it was a show that was done. I, I did it at a company called SD Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I had to fight to get the to get that that part to being a director on it because I had been known for superheroes and Spider Man and you know it's like you want to do the Care Bears I'm going yes I'm a director I can direct it. <laughs> what, what 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 was this just a matter of you just wanted to get the credit under your belt or was there something about the Care Bears because they pretty much were you know just a toy line was there something about it that like, spoke to you thought you could do something creative with? For me it was like also I. My entire resume was all superhero stuff, and I, I wanted to try and open it up so that I had more possibilities of getting work at different in different areas of the business. Right. You know, there are a lot of uh, theatrical features coming up that I wanted to maybe get considered for. Okay. So I had okay. to I had to add to my my resume, and so I got a chance to do this. It was a CBS uh, show, mm-hmm. and I worked on it for about a year. I did like 52, 52 episodes, mm-hmm. and after that, I did proved that I could do the show. So we did three more um, directed video Care Bear movies. And so I did those also. So that last, that kept me busy for about five years, all, all in all. How'd you like working on the Care Bears, man? It was very intimidating at, at the beginning because when they showed me this chart of like 100 Care Bears and I looked at it going, oh my God, they all look the same. I know, <laughs> I know. You know, I'm looking at them going, what? Ooh. And then... There are microscopic details that, oh, that's a girl bear, that's a boy bear. Right. And I started reading all the biology, the biography of uh, what the each bear represented. And so it took a while, but I got into it so I could figure out who was, who, what each character was at a glance, and I could make the show work. It took a while, you know, because it wasn't in my DNA. Care Bears was not in my DNA as much as it was superheroes and X-Men and stuff, you know? But you made it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the 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 original artist of the Care Bears just drew a a, a Black Lives Matter bear. Yes, yes, so I saw that. Bring that back. Tell him to bring that back, starring Black Lives Matter bear. I I loved it. I saw the drawing, and then you know the company shut her down. But I loved the drawing when I saw it on on uh, Twitter. Uh yeah, I, I'd watch that. I would watch Black Lives Matter bear. Go ahead, Dante. You look like you had a question. Uh, I was just going to say, look, I I love Care Bears as well, but I I did have a question. Uh, There was a good show that I loved that got canceled. Uh, It was called The New Adventures of Johnny Quest. Oh, yes. And I enjoyed that very much. Uh, Is there a reason why they canceled that after the couple episodes that they showed? Because they didn't really go that far. What what happened on on The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, the one that was in the late 90s, I think. Yeah. the the what happened was is that um, the the crew of people who had done the the first twenty six episodes left, um, and so they had to, we had to do another twenty six episodes. Myself and uh, the other directors, Davis Doy, and so they brought us in to to fill out the entire um, uh, series because they needed fifty two half hours. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to syndicate, you know, 52 weeks, 52 episodes, that kind of thing. And so we 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 were uh, we were brought in and we were 
we were basically working as fast as we can to try and make the deadline because they had a certain deadline they had to meet and they were way behind schedule. So uh, Davis took 13, I took 13, and we basically did a whole year's worth of animation in, in half the time. Wow. And so as far as why, what, why didn't um, it went off the air, um, that, I, some of that had to do with the fact that uh, Hanna-Barbera uh, went out of business. It, it got sold to Warner Brothers. Yeah. And so everything we did got put into the library. And so they haven't put it out. I think you can get it, but you got to get it on demand. Yeah. And so the marketplace was changing from being a syndicated market to cables, cable market. So, um, yeah, that, that I think what affected it most was the changing marketplace of being, you know, now everything's cable. The crazy thing about Johnny Quest is as fondly remembered a property as it is, even the original Johnny Quest show only ran one season, you know? it's just been in rotation for so long people think that it ran for more than one season but it really it was just one season and done and yet it is so finely remembered because well back then it was so far ahead of its time it's it's crazy yeah and for for me when i was a kid in the 60s watching uh johnny quest the original series was a was an eye-opener for me Mm. because it was like there's these kids and they're doing these fantastic things with they have jetpacks, they're fighting monsters. They're never in school. They're just having fun every day. <laughs> right, just hanging out. Just, yeah. And it's like, you just wanted to be a part of that team, you know, Haji or Johnny or somebody, you want to be a part of that. Right. And so when we were, um, you know, I got a chance, also got a chance to meet Doug Wilder, who actually was yeah. the guiding force behind that. So he was a real crotchety guy but he was cool he was a cool guy and you know i think that's the picture back here i got that was done by uh steve rude of johnny quest yes um theme. Oh, i um, love steve Rude. yeah back there Ooh, back there there it is nice oh wow and, uh, oh, yeah. yeah so that was one of the things i got from when i when i when hannibal before hannibal bear closed down and stuff i got that from the uh the hannibal bear store I wanted to make sure I had a copy of it before I left. He got it from the store. Yeah, we know how he got it. <laughs> you, know how he got it. you with family, Larry. It's, it's all good, though. We understand. It's recording. It's recording. It's recording. We, I have to. Yeah. I'll have to put like blur that out on the on the replay so nobody you know goes scoping that out. Like, hey, I think we found oh, okay. that, <laughs> that Steve Reed picture we were looking for. Yeah, I understand. I understand. I understand. I want so, uh, I want to get back to the X Men real quick ahead. before we uh, get out of here. Um, you know, the the series worked very well in kind of like blending some of the stories from the comics into the series, and they were stories that people you know just couldn't wait to see you know brought to life mm-hmm. you know um, there. But I uh, wondered how much of a free hand did you have in creating your own stories, and were there even storylines that you wanted to explore that you just either didn't get a chance to, or you were... Um, the studio Marvel or the studio were said, nah, you can't go that way. Like you can't make, you know, Wolverine and storm a, a couple or anything like that. But they were a couple. One man's worth. <laughs> the two part. Yeah, they, they made it. They <laughs> made uh, it. Yeah. The, um, no, uh, pretty much 
part of the problem with the X-Men was that we never got, like, if they had told us, hey, you got two or three years to do the show, we could have plotted out so much more story, mm-hmm. you know, but they only, they only gave us 13, 13 episode increments. And so we basically just could plot out so many episodes and, you know, okay, what's going to happen in this episode? Okay, this is Gene and, and Scott are going to get married and then introduce Sinister and we have a PTSD um, morph running around. And so we, we kind of plot, and I think we also had uh, Xavier them in Stuck in the Savage Land. Okay. So, right. had, so that's that's what we plotted out for that season. But after the second season, they saw how good the ratings were. They finally told us, okay, we got another two-year commitment. We're going to do Phoenix and Dark Phoenix. And so because of that, we were able to plot out a lot more story and pace it in such a way that it felt it built on itself. Gotcha and made it into a better um, a season. Um, but there wasn't any story. I don't think at the time in the 90s there was any story. We, Those are the main ones we wanted to hit, which was Days of Future Past and the Phoenix and Dark Phoenix. And we wanted to make sure we got it all right. And so um, so we, we were not under any restrictions, except that, you know, it is Saturday morning. You can only go so far. Right, but within the within the confines of that, uh, we we were very lucky to have um, uh, a, what they call the broadcast standards and practices person. Her name was Avery Colburn. She actually was not a Saturday morning censor lady. She actually came from live action, so she understood what we were trying to do. Um, and one of one of the things that we were fighting for, we're fighting for from the beginning is that we didn't want to write down the kids. We wanted to write up the kids. Right. Because we didn't want, we wanted the kids to see, okay, in the beginning, you're going to see the laser beams, you're going to see explosions and stuff. But when you watch it on the reruns, you catch more of the adult content, the subtext. Mm-hmm. You catch more of the relationships that are like the world hates you because you're different. And all of the other stuff you may not realize when you're watching it when you're younger. And I think that really helped, helped the, uh, longevity of the series is that we were not trying to write down to the audience you know and 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 in that aspect like when we had um when the i think it was one man's worth when the timeline flipped and suddenly the world was all gone to hell in a handbasket um you know scott i mean uh storm and wolverine are a married couple and i think which i've been trying to check i think that's the first interracial couple on, on an animated show was those two characters. I did not know that. Yeah. I have a question. Was One Man's Worth supposed to be the animated series kind of version mm-hmm. of Age of Apocalypse? Because that's what it felt like to me without it actually being Age of Apocalypse. The interesting thing about that is that we came with the idea first. And when oh. we were talking, yeah, and when we were talking to New York, they said, that's a great idea. Mm. And it gave them the idea to create Age of Apocalypse, but for us to create a show, it takes nine to twelve months for us to do one episode. Right. Whereas they could, they they just, you know, they can put out a comic book like two or three months. Right. So the idea actually started with our show, but we couldn't get it on the air for about another year, and so by the time it came around for me to produce the show, I grabbed the the comic books. And I used those designs 
of the alternate future from AOA, and I put it into the show. So, but the genesis actually started with uh, with us. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah, because we also in the second season of F of the uh, X Men, we actually came up with the idea of Jean Grey and Scott getting married. And uh, the the editor was uh, Bob Harris at the time. He said, "Why don't you guys hold off on that? We want to do it in the books first. So that's why when we when they got married, it was a bogus married marriage because we didn't have any of the comic books to do, like where are you guys going to go with the story. So we had to do, figure out okay, they married and not married, and we were waiting for um, more information from Bob to give us about how we how are we going to marry the characters. But that never that actually never came. So, but um, we were able to, it, yeah, it started with us a couple of times, a lot of the uh, stuff in the books. Oh, wow. That's cool. Just real quick. Yeah. I want to say you all did the best, the best, or close <laughs> to the comics, best with the Phoenix saga. Oh, yeah. Phoenix saga was excellent. Yeah, I tried my best. Awesome. I tried my best to make sure it was like the books. You you did it. You did it. (laughs) Hands down, you did it because you did it better than everybody else. Um, I would when I one thing I would did I did in the in those books is that I I I brought in my my comic book collection to work. And I I I Xeroxed off pages, I say, and I told the artist, if there's a chance for you to put this panel into the show, find a way, you know. Wow. And so there's certain panels, not a lot, but there's certain panels I actually have them in the show. I think there's one scene where Wolverine, there's a character that makes him get very heavy and he falls through the floors. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, one of the inner circle. I forget what that guy's yeah, name is. Yeah. And there's a scene where Wolverine comes out of the water and he yep. turns to look at camera. And I made sure that scene was in the, in the show. Nice. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. That's the classic yeah. Wolverine sh- shot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, Mr. A, Mr. Mr. Sanson wants to know how do you feel about the X Men movies? <laughs> oh, geez! I, I sense a I, setup here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think oh, we, we I think we can assume how you feel about Logan because Logan was that work. Uh, yes. Everything else is in question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, they're they're. In, in X-Men 1 and 2, there's, like, sequences that work well. Um, but I won't even talk about the last one with Phoenix. It was, like, so bad. Mm. It was awful. Yeah. Um, the, you know, uh, uh, I think his name, Brian Singer, was, I, I, he, he had a um, commentary, I think, on, on the second X-Men. And he said he actually never read the X-Men. He only watched our show. He watched the X-Men series wow. so he could figure out how what the X-Men was all about. And so if you notice, what we did was we we brought in a character that knew nothing about the X-Men, which was Jubilee. She gets attacked by the Sentinels. She gets knocked out. When she wakes up, she's in the X-Mansion. Mm-hmm. And then you have what, what you have at that point, you have natural exposition You're right. of the characters explaining it to her, which also explains it to the audience. Right. And if you go to the first X-Men film, instead of being Jubilee, it's Wolverine. Wolverine gets attacked by the evil mutants. He gets knocked out, wakes up, he's in a mansion. And then he runs around, and then eventually he gets told what 
what is this place with all these characters? So they kind of took our, 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 the skeleton of what we did and they put it into the actual, the very first X-Men movie. Mm. Mm. This is why mm. Brian Singer is, is canceled. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Did you ever want to try your hand at, um, you know, superheroes are your first love and, 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 you know, God knows anything with superheroes. Um, Hollywood can't, can't wait to throw some money at you ever try uh, want to try your hand doing some live action stuff? Yes. I mean, that's one thing I've been interested in. I, I retired from animation about three years ago and I've been trying to work on ways to try and um, maybe get in there and do some um, at, uh, live action movies. And to, to a certain degree, I, you know, I've been writing screenplays. Mm-hmm. I've gotten representation, you know, everything's on hold right now. So, but I've gotten a lot of good positive feedback of, of uh, some ideas that I have, but I won't know what if, what happens until maybe next year, when everything settles down or whatever. Uh, but yeah, that's my next my next uh, challenge that I'd love to do would be uh, to do a superhero to do a film, do a superhero film, and I do you know I know I have good instincts. What makes a good film? What makes a good story? And I'd really like to try and do that as, you know, my next, the next door that opens for me. Well, we, cool. we wish you nothing but uh, much success with that as you uh, work towards, you know, the next stage in your career. But, you know, I think I, you know, can speak for all of us here and everyone watching that we are thankful for all the joy that you have given us over the years with all the hard the animation that you have done, man. You have, <laughs> you have done work, sir. You have done, I mean, like, like I have never seen Randy, Randy, like, you know, he knows every theme song to everything. And yet you still pop the one theme song that he's never done in 10 years of <laughs> this show. And I'd never heard Sports Billy, but he was right there Yo, with the words. The weirdest show, man. Oh my it God. Was, so bizarre. I, I am, I am in, up. Like this kid was from another planet on the other side of the sun and he had a magic <laughs> gym bag. It was ridiculous. Utterly yes, absurd. It, it was weird to work on. And um, like when I mentioned it, like I said, you're the only one that ever <laughs> recognized what that was. <laughs> I salute you. Well, if, if, you I, haven't I fig- if you haven't figured it out yet, Larry, you are with your people right here on, on Black Tribble. Okay. Most definitely. I can see that. I can see that. And, and I'm, glad, I'm glad you invited me here. Well, we're glad that you're here, and now the time has come, sir, for oh, you. Oh, wait, 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 Lynn. Yes. Can I ask? Can I ask one question? Certainly. Just as a as a fangirl, oh, what is your favorite episode? What is your favorite X Men episode? Because I think we all have like that one, and I'd be interested to know what yours is. I have, yeah. It's kind of like picking your your children. Um, <laughs> I had to pick. I've had this question given to me before, and I think um, it would have to be uh, the final decision, season one episode, the very last episode, because you know I had no idea if I was going to have a season two, mm. and so what I did was, um, you know, the, I had to pour the kitchen sink into that episode because that was going to be my last shot 
at trying to show how good the X-Men characters was. And so I challenged myself. I All the fights with the X-Men, I had, I had to redraw it from whatever the artist had drawn to try and make it as dynamic as I could. The, um, like the stuff where Wolverine's fighting the uh, Sentinels in the dark, I made all that up. That wasn't in a script. I just made... I wanted to do something nobody's seen before, so I tried to create new, new uh, action sequences, um, uh, stuff like that. I, the um, the stuff at the end where Xavier was going to do a kamikaze into the master mold coming out of the mountain. Um, I added Magneto to the show to the scene where he creates a shield around him. And, you know, to protect him from the initial blast so he could destroy the monster. And then when he's floating down, you know, him, Xavier, and Magneto have their words, and then he flies away. Because I wanted to establish that they were frenemies. Well, that entire sequence did not exist in the show. I made it all up. Wow. And uh, so I wanted to reestablish. The first time you saw Magneto, he's just a bad guy. But I wanted to, to, to read to, you know, emphasize that these are frenemies these guys were friends they look out for each other but they have really different tech different approaches to the same problem right. and so um for me it's final decision but, but i i'm a big fan of like uh time fugitives uh rogue's tale um show there are the other episodes like that um that i especially time fugitives it was like a that took a lot of work to uh, make that show work, because I, as a as a as a producer, I, I sent part one here and I went sent part two there, but when I got it back, nothing matched, because it was like two different, it's like six different artists and nobody drew the same thing. Mm. So I had to I had to redraw part two to match part one, and um, I had a crew of people helping me, but I was I was restoryboarding the entire sequence. That's why, if you look in part two. There's a whole battle sequence between Cable and Bishop and the X-Men and everyone. And there's no dialogue because I had I had no time to re-record anything. So I redrew that entire battle scene. Oh wow. And uh at the end of Time Fugitives One, when when uh, Apocalypse grows real big and he kills the X-Men, again, that wasn't in the script. I made it all up. Because I wanted to set the stakes up real high so that and I also That's want to awesome. show, I also wanted to show people that they can't beat Apoc- Apocalypse. He's the one character they can't beat by power. They got to use their cleverness and mind to defeat him because he's just way, way too powerful. So there are, he's there are as things far like that beyond. That no, I see he's yes. as far beyond mutants as mutants are he's beyond, beyond humans. Human. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I remember that yes. line. Yeah, so had some great, great lines from the writers. They. They they really came through on that series, and uh, it was it was like one of the few series that I worked on beside Johnny Quest that we were all the writers and artists we were all on the same page. Because a lot of times in Hollywood, the writers are over here and you're over there, and there's no synergy. And on the X Men and Quest, uh, it was, and so those are two of the the two series that I had the most fun on because I had. What I tell people, I had the least amount of adult supervision on those two. I was able to do what I wanted. <laughs> nice. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, people know. have they have low expectations, so they leave you alone. It's like, cool. 
I'll just do what I want to do and prove that I know what I'm doing. Yes, you do, Mr. Houston. <laughs> yes, you do. Well, the time has come, sir, for you to become one with our Tribble Nation. <laughs> The time has come as you are listening to WPPMLP Philadelphia 106.5 FM Philly Cam Radio. Black Tribbles coming to you live on YouTube, live in our Facebook, in our Tribble Nation Facebook uh, group. Larry Houston, animation producer extraordinaire, the mastermind behind X-Men, the animated series. G.I. Joe, Care Bears. Um, I didn't even bring up Bucky O'Hare. I'll leave that for next time. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'll leave that to next time. You drop sports bitly. Captain Bucky O'Hare. See, see I told you, every theme song right there. It's a great song. Great show. And most people don't know, I also was the director of uh, Kid and Play. What? Oh, the cartoon? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I was going to try and get yeah. away without mentioning that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I lose track of what I've worked on. I'll okay. tell you. You, you. you can lose Kid and Play. All right, anyway. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the, the time has come, sir, for you to join the Triple Nation, but to do that, you have to adorn yourself with your own Tribble designation that indicates what you're geeky about. Like, I'm Bat Tribble because I love Batman. We got Super Tribble, Dark Joker Zen Tribble, the Uncanny Tribble. We have a, a Super Saiyan Tribble. We got a Master Tribble. We got a Storm Tribble. We got a No Tribble at all. We got a uh, Big Tribble in Little China. We got the Diary of a Mad Bad Tribble. We've got a Little Tribble on my chin. We've got uh, um, the actor Phil Lamar is Samurai Tribble. Uh, we've got Tribbles all over the place. And we want to make you one with the Tribble Nation, but you have to tell us what will be your Tribble designation, sir. Wow. Um, I haven't had time to think about it. You guys have some really good names there. Uh, they're already taken, though. Um, and, you know, the X-Men is my main um, interest, right? Has been my main interest for, like, all my, most of my career. So I'll have to pick a character. Like, uh, I can be the... Wolverine Tribble. I can't think of anything else. Or maybe, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of something right now when you're talking to me. It's like, hmm. Dante is like right now feverishly looking at our our, our roster because we have a scroll of all of the people, or well, most of the people, well, maybe not, probably not even most, but a lot of the people in Tribble Nation. Uh, Dante, do we have a Wolverine Tribble up there? We have a weapon X, but no Wolverine. Wow, we don't have There's a Wolverine. No Wolverine trouble? I just yeah. thought I just knew we had a Wolverine. I knew we had Weapon X. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's but... the score. Like how how did that happen? <laughs> like, how did that happen? We don't have well, well we do now because Larry right. Houston okay. <laughs> Larry Houston said Okay, that's cool, that's cool. I'll go with that. I, I'm gonna be Wolverine Tribble. Shoot. <laughs> he said, I don't care if anybody is Wolverine Tribble. That's it. <laughs> I am course, Wolverine yeah. Tribble. Okay, but That's it's not cool. official, sir. It is not official because we do think we like to do things official here in the nation. So it is not official until you take the triple oath of allegiance. And I think it is only proper that the 
producer of the X-Men animated series, be inducted into Tribble Nation by the number one X-Men fan of Black Tribbles, and that would be the green hair bombshell herself, Ariel Johnson, the uncanny. Well, I'm blonde girl. right now. <laughs> but I'm one, I'm, I'm, one of, I'm one of these bombshells. Always a bombshell, no matter what the hair color is. Oh, this is exciting! <laughs> All right. So you ready? I don't usually do this, so I'm nervous. But... We're going to do it. So you ready? I'm ready. All right. So just repeat after me. I'm a triple furry. I'm a triple true. I'm a triple. Uh, sorry. I'm a triple three. I'm a triple two. Triple furry. Furry. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's start this over. Let's start, start it over. over. Okay. Slate. Okay, Slate. Larry Houston joins the triple nation. Take two. Action. Okay. <laughs> okay, so just repeat after me. I'm a triple furry. I'm a triple I'm, true. I'm a triple furry. I'm a triple true. From the way I roll to the way I coo. From the way I roll to the way I coo. What was that? Coo. coo. <laughs> okay. So shall it be said. So, so shall it be, be done. <laughs> Welcome oh. to the Ah, the Wolverine trouble. Look at the Wolverine, Dante. <laughs> he's got you. <laughs> thank you. I go where I want to go, as he said. <laughs> I go where I want to go. Wanna oh, go. Logan. That's what I said. That's right, Bub. We love Logan. Right. Oh. oh yeah. My heart. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Okay, excellent. Mr. Thank Houston, I, uh, if people want to get in touch with you and find out more about your fabulous career, I know they can go to your website. It's Larry-Houston.com. Is that correct? Yes, that's my that's my website. And um, you can find me on Instagram at LarryTunes54. And on, um, I think it's Instagram, I'm X-Men Director. I just tried to make it easy. <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. This has been and this is awesome. This has been You're awesome, man. I'm glad you guys invited me. I'm glad I'm you know, it wasn't until like um I think it was Disney Plus invited me to join tri uh Twitter because I had I didn't think uh you know I and up until Disney Plus you know, started putting the X-Men out there. Mm. I didn't think there was any reason for me to join Twitter. And I thought everybody forgot about the show. And we never uh, forgot. We, we never <laughs> forgot. Yeah, that so X-Men, X-Men is the whole reason I got into comics. That show is the, like changed my life. Like it was life changing. Yes. Oh, it I'm really glad was. You guys were there. I'm glad you guys were there. I'm glad you guys supported the show. Um, and uh, kept the show on the air because I, you know, like I said, after the first season, uh, we all had a resumes. I was getting ready to get another job. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they told us at the last minute, you got to pick up. And what I had drawn was the end of the X-Men. It was like Jean, Jean Grey and Scott on a blanket, sunset, fade out. That was the end of the series. Wow. And at the very last moment, they said, you got to pick up, but you got to change that ending. So then we, we cut out some dialogue and... Um, I think the last Gene dialogue is like, who knows what the future holds? And then we have a we we grab the technician, we wrote down a piece of dialogue and say, 
here, say this. And he's the one who said, Sinister knows what your future holds. That was actually just a guy in, the, in a booth next to it. So you put it in line. <laughs> And, on the, the credits, this is like ball next door. Yeah. <laughs> we created this bogus uh, monitor with flashing lights, and then we we animated this like shadow of this character coming in, and that was the the manufactured new ending to episode thirteen. Wow! Wow! That's amazing! Wow! Yeah. Amazing! Wow! See, see, that's what see, see, that's what a brother does. The brother's like, "Yo, we're gonna make it work. We're gonna make it work. Yeah, nah, yeah. We, we ain't redoing <laughs> nothing. We gonna make it work. Give me them lights. Give me them yeah, lights." Yeah. Hey, hey, can you read this man over there? Can you read this man over there? Bring him over here. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, just read this. Just read this. Just read it. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you read it. We put it in the show. And that was it. And then we we took his voice. We tweaked it and made it sound, you know, electronic and stuff. And that was oh, it. God. And, and 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 that man is now Michael Eisner. Anyway, <laughs> oh, oh my yeah. god, they auto tune the ball. That's, a, that's amazing. <laughs> Larry, oh, wow. thanks so much. We're going to let you go because we know your you, your wife is is holding your your meatballs like at the ready for you. They're just outside of camera camera view. Yes, yeah, so you're back that way. I could, yeah. <laughs> so. Thank you I so much. Thanks a lot, Larry. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you so you much. Again. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you for you making all. our childhood awesome. Yes, definitely. Uh, Thank you for all the kind words. I appreciate everything you guys have said. Thank you. All right. All right. We're going to get you back, man, talking about Bucky O'Hare. Trust me. We're going to make it happen. Oh, okay. I, I'm there. I'm there for you. All right, man. Take care. All right. Take care. That's Bye. awesome. Oh, oh that wow. Cool. That was dope. Oh, wow. Holy smokes. So I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> Time to rewatch some stuff. <laughs> now that we got the inside scoop. So you're going to binge, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. binge that 13 episodes of Sport Billy. Yeah. <laughs> I have never heard of that. Nobody's ever heard of no, Sports no, Billy. Yo, it was the, the, uh, quite literally the only thing I remember about it is that little bit of the theme song. And he was a kid and he had, he had a little bag, right? And it had his name on it. It just had his initials SB on it. And it looked like a bowling bag. It was just, yo, know, it was just so weird, man. So bizarre. But it burned into my head. I'm, I'm more kind of amped on the, uh, the idea of going back and watching Black Star now. Black Star was, Black Star was really cool, and it, it, you could tell that dude was supposed to be black. And they were like, and somebody was like, I don't know, man, no, maybe we look, maybe. like he looked a little bit like, uh, like John Carter. He did. The movie, John. He did. He looked, yeah. he looked a lot oh, okay. like, like, lot like that dude. Um, but that that show was fantastic, man. And he had like there were the two swords, the, the star sword, and the power sword, and you put them together, and it had the power star, and it was like this amazing thing. And uh, you know, I used to I used to love that show, and it was it was another one of those things that that you always had like the the main adventure guy, and then he had like little weird sidekicks, and he had like these seven little little just dudes that kind of they were like the seven dwarves that kind of hung out with them and i think they had giant ears and they could fly yes and they he did. had a, he had a dragon oh, he had a he had a like a dragon horse thing yes there was there was a lot of that between that and then thundar same thing thundar he had the sun sword and he had upla the mock and princess ariel princess ariel yep. and she was a sorceress mm, and that sounds on point he had a uh his horse was kind of weird looking too. And for whatever reason, 
it was like no, actually, Ugla's horse had he Ugla had the different horse. Ugla, yeah, yeah, right. Like, yeah, 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 right. He had the, the weird look, like lizard horse looking thing. Like it was 1997, and a comet passed between the Earth and the Moon, causing global upheaval, and then everything went crazy. And then all of a sudden, there was like crazy robots and monsters everywhere, and some dude in a brown tunic with some furry boots and an energy sword. <laughs> no explanation as to why any of this happened. Comet planet like in the beginning of the show the comet went past the moon cracked in half and then everything went crazy and then next thing you know there was monsters and it was bananas and i feel like it was on for like a thousand years but i i if i looked i'm fairly fairly certain it was maybe two or seasons. i think it was maybe like two seasons of new stuff and then i think yeah. it like ran and, and it's yeah. It's funny how shows are like that because there are shows that I could have swore like this was on for years and it was like no it was a season and a half yeah, and, right. you were, and you were just re-watching the same episodes over and over again. It's crazy. You know what show is most famous for that? The Jetsons. Everybody swears the Jetsons were as on as long as the the Flintstones. The Flintstones were actually on like about a good six, seven years. The Jetsons were on for one season but it was what? back. It was back in the day when when seasons were like when seasons episodes. were thirty episodes. So it was like thirty episodes. But that was it. It was it was one and done. Look at your face. Everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I feel yeah. like I've definitely watched more than thirty episodes of right. the Jetsons. I only remember That's two. Me. I remember two episodes <laughs> of Jetsons. It was the one with Jet Screamer. Yes. <laughs> and then the one when uh, George was. Uh, he was the judge for the beauty contest, and oh, Jane, Judy jo- won, Jane won. Uh, what was her song? Uh, was it uh, Once You Fly Home, Bill Spacely? Yeah, that's Once right. That's all I remember about the Jetsons. That is it. That or Jet Screamer, and or Pop 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 Pop. Pop. that was Jet Screamer. Yeah. And that means I love you. Come fly with me. Come fly with me. That's a shot. That's a shot. That was fantastic. And that's all I remember. Elroy didn't do nothing. But it's it's weird that you say that because like the animation drastically changed from like the beginning of that season to like the end of the season because it seemed like it got a whole lot crisper. No, no, no. Like- what happened? I'm gonna tell you exactly what happened. It was only one season of the of the Jetsons. They ran that for freaking ever. And then it was maybe sometime, and Randy correct me if I'm wrong, it was maybe in the late 80s, early 90s that uh Hannah Barbera said, okay, we're going to make new episodes of the Jetsons, which look, the animation looks a lot crisper and newer and everything like that. Yeah, they they did do that. And they didn't even really make that many of those, but they made them and then put that in the package you know, when they went back to syndication. When they went back to syndication. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay. That's all all it is. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it did feel like it was on for a long time. It did. It did. Huh. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. that he said that the X-Men, the, the, the thing that boggled my mind was that the first two seasons were basically, they were only ordering 13 episodes at a time. And this was back in a time when if you 
most of the time when a, a cartoon series would get a pickup, you'd get the initial pickup was at least maybe 25, 26, right? like 26 to 30 episodes. And then if they liked it, then you might get two like orders of 13 to get you up to a good like 60 or 70. And because then after you're about a good 70, then you've got a good syndication package. You know what I mean? Because now your show can be syndicated for two straight months of, of, you know, no repeats. You know what I mean? But yeah, considering yeah. considering the X Men was such a big property to only get thirteen at a time right off the jump, that seems crazy to me, man. Yeah. yeah. When he first told that story to us, uh, like for the first season, he's like, "Yeah, we had to go back and change everything." I was like, "Dad, they really did not have no faith in it." Like they were like, "Yeah, this is gonna be one and done, and that's it." And then they're like, "Yeah, come on back." Uh, we need and these are the people in charge of what we get to see and experience. Right. It's like yeah. that doesn't even make any sense. It was like third. Like what? It's X Men though. What are you talking about? It's wild how much stuff like we had them on Infinite Equation, and it was wild how much stuff they wanted them to throw in there to sell toys. Oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah but Australian Wolverine because of Crocodile right. Dundee, like that's insane. That is yeah. so nuts, man! Holy smokes. You, I mean, but you know what? That's the story. That's the story of cartoons, man. That is the story of yeah. cartoons. Yeah. First of all, you know, um, uh, around the time that X Men is happening, you're you're just getting out of cartoons that were basically advertisement for toys. You know, you're just getting out of Transformers, which was a toy first. Care Bears, which was a toy first. You know what I mean? Um, so that that's the reason why that stuff happens. It's yeah. What he was telling us about about Transformers. That's that that I was where was I hearing this the other day that Transformers initially uh, when it came over from Japan, like they weren't even they weren't Autobots tra- and Decepticons weren't from the same plant. No, they weren't the same toy line. They weren't the yeah. same toy line. I was listening to some podcast the other day, yeah, and they I, were saying that you, you, was that yours? You were listening to Gutter was Talk. That so. Was that Gutter Talk? Yeah, okay, all right. That was Gutter Talk. <laughs> I was driving, man. The Wolverine. Know. He's the Wolverine. A podcast. Just listening to some other podcast. Yeah. Oh Lord! All right. When did Kennedy get get in here? Anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, the the Transformers they weren't even they weren't even the same same toy line. The first of all, they didn't have the name Autobots and Decepticons. They they were named something totally different. Um, but they were two individual distinct toy lines that um, they then Marvel is the one created the whole world of them and created the the whole idea of them being villains and and uh, you know and. Autobots and Decepticons and them against one another. Um, and like Optimus Prime, he didn't even have his name. Denny O'Neill, the recently Denny cast O'Neil. Denny yeah, O'Neill, yeah, he's yeah. the person that gave De- Optimus Prime his name because yeah. they had no names for all of these characters, man. It's crazy. It's all, it's all about toys first, dog. It's toys Denny O'Neil. first. Yeah. Toys first. I wanted to ask him, and when I realized he he wasn't in this, 
Ariel, maybe you can speak to this as a huge X-Men fan. When I hear people talk about how much they love this this series, right? And a lot of people have love for it. There have been other X-Men series, yet it seems this is the one that is the most cherished. Yeah, well, so for me, um, Pride of the X-Men was just like before my time. So I know about it, but I've never actually seen it. Well, that was just um, a pilot. That was just a pilot. That didn't even. Oh, get- I thought it. I thought it had. I thought that had a, a one full season. Mm-mm. No, no, it was just a pilot episode. episode oh well, well, see, that's how little I know about it. But I know it exists, right? right. And it and it was like centering around Kitty. Mm-hmm. And then, in, and it's funny because in the Fox show, we never see Kitty. I don't think she's in it at all. Um, but then, for me, X Men Evolution was a really good show. Like the animation on that show was like fantastic. The issue for me with, with evolution was that I could not figure out their airing schedule because every time I would watch it, it would be an episode that I'd already seen. And I'm thinking like, well, when does the new season start? And, and it was at the same time that I was starting college. And so I didn't have the same access to like network television mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so then i just started missing it and so i've had to go back i think uh, evolution was on netflix at one point and so i watched it in like um and i still don't think i finished it but that i was able to kind of watch it in order but i thought that was a really done show and then wolverine and the x-men i thought was an excellent show and again it just didn't get time to be anything and i was really mad because there was potential for storm and wolverine in that <laughs> And I was like, I was all like dancing. It's just like Marvel just will not give me my joy. It's like they give it to you, then they just stomp all over it. It's like, can I have anything? It's like when Logan died in the comics, I thought when he came back, it would be like this reuniting of his love. But instead, Black Panther's dreaming about Storm and Logan's back to his old Gene antics. And now him and Gene and they're in a thruple. It's just like, okay. <laughs> we, were over, we were over that triangle before, but we keep, we keep, they just keep doing the same stuff. It's so frustrating. But like, anyway, but Wolverine and the X-Men was, was a really good show. Um, and I do think it's always interesting when you, anytime you position Logan as the leader, because he's not. And I think that that's, he's not really a leader. He's not that guy. Right. Um, and, and recently just like watching, um, at some episodes of uh, the last dance and oh, okay. learning, learning that stuff about Dennis Robin, like Dennis Robin is not the, like, he's the wild card. That's who he is. But then when Scotty Pippen wasn't there, how he had to be the dependable one, but that wasn't who he was. And that's how I always feel whenever they put Logan in these like leadership roles. Cause like when he's the leader of um, X-Force, which is basically the kill squad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think it's something to be said that he might be the most stable person on this team. Yeah, right, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and okay. so that's just like, huh? It's like, I understand why he's the leader of this team, but he should not be the leader. Gotcha. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, so just seeing, just seeing that in Wolverine and the X-Men, I thought was interesting to me because that's not a role that I think he really fits in. Gotcha. He'll do it, but that's not his role. You know? I'm curious if you or Dante, Dante probably saw this. Did you ever see the anime, the Wolverine anime show? Yeah, you know what? Yeah. I have. It's, it's, is that the it's, Warren Ellis one? I don't know if what, Warren, Ellis, I don't Warren know. Ellis. Warren Ellis did a, a he did an X-Men 
anime. I'm not sure. Like this is in yeah. Japanese and everything. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, like yeah, for yeah, me, it was the anime, and so he's like ah da da da, da. and like there's all these big movements. I was like, okay, well, that's not Logan. Like you know what I mean? It was just kind of <laughs> it was kind of off putting, right. but I liked the I did like the animation, and I think in that they made like Hisako was the the person that they save armor right that was like the first mission yeah i think yeah. so yeah, yeah you remember so. that mm-hmm. um and yeah, i like you know so it was like that was cool because i liked her character she's japanese so that's you know they went you know they went that route and we get to see that character like on screen you know mm-hmm. was, which i thought was cool because she's she's actually pretty dope yeah i remember i, I like saw a, I, what did you think of that show uh dante i saw a couple of episodes of it and it looked kind of interesting <laughs> if nothing else like anytime that I really when Marvel when Marvel tries to go anime ish, it it just I, I can't like I'll make it through it and then that's it. I'm like I'm done with it. Okay. It, it doesn't really do anything for me. Like even when they do like Punisher and Black Widow, it wasn't great for me. Uh mm. and just like even like they I think they had like a regular cartoon where like the Marvel characters were like uh, like these cards or like almost like a Beyblade ish kind of thing. I, I can't remember really? what it was. I don't remember yeah. that. Yeah, there was there like these they were kid they were kids, but they had like the like the Marvel characters interacting with almost like kind of like almost like Pokemon kind of ish. Are you like, serious? Kind of yeah. yeah. So would they like call forth the X Men and like fight them in a I'm not sure how how it went about, but when I heard about it and I tried to sit in there and watch like one episode, I was like, you know what? I'm not I'm not for this. I'm not for this. All right. Like Marvel needs to stop doing anime. They're trying too hard. Yeah. It was sometimes like the, like for me anime like the animation takes me out of it, and most when they try to do it, it's like they their anime takes their just animation just takes me out of the whole thing, and I'm just like I can't I just can't watch it. Like I'll finish it like if I start it, I'm like all right, I'm just going to sit here and finish it, and then it's just like okay, I'm done. Because there was one horrible one they did. It was Captain America and Iron Man. It was on Netflix for a while. And it was all computer animation. Oh, I think horrendous. I tried watching that one. Which one was that? It, I forget which one it was. It was like... Captain uh, America, Iron Man one. Yes. It was like an all computer. Like in it. Yeah. I think they were fighting um, Iron Monger in there. Yeah, was that? I think Taskmaster's on that. Yes, Taskmaster's yeah, Alex in it. Alex loves that. He watches that all the time. That <laughs> thing terrible. Not, it's, oh, man. He like watch, my son watches it. It's horrible. It's not, it's not very good. It's yeah. not very good. And I Look wanted, I wanted it to be good because yeah, right. I, I'm like, all right, well, give me a good animated cap. Goodness gracious, that thing is just. Oh, what are y'all doing? Uh, oh, uh, it's really stiff, and it the movements are weird. Uh, it's it looks like somebody's playing with action figures. Yeah. Actually, yeah, Xenocord knows what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, so there it is. Uh, MacGuffin, MacGuffin seals, seals all the heroes into objects. Oh my god, yeah. this sounds stupid. Yeah, see, it, see, it made no sense at all. No sense at all. Yeah, uh, it had Captain America, Spider Man, and the Hulk. Um, uh, and the kinship with kids allows them to be released. To, oh, this sounds dumb. This sounds absolutely <laughs> dumb. This is, see, Marvel, why? It, it, <laughs> they just need to give it up. Because I didn't want to say anything while Larry was on it, was on the show. Because I didn't, you know, you know, 
God bless him, he came on the show. But he he said he went and did the second season of a Fantastic Four cartoon that Fantastic was Four. that was garbage. It was straight garbage. It was, and you notice he just said, "Yeah, I went to do the second season of Fantastic Four, and then kept it moving, yeah, because <laughs> he knew that thing was garbage. It was like, and it was like the Fantastic Four anime, you know. So like Sue Storm, you know, had like the you know the big dumb doe eyes and Johnny Storm hair was all fly, fly up, and the the thing just it just looked stupid. It looked so." dumb yeah, like marvel just great. needs to give it up like i think marvel honestly let's be honest they've had probably over and we, i'm not even going back to the 60s and 70s you just go back into the 90s so you start with x-men they probably had a good 20 series across you know all the different networks and disney and everything like that and i defy you to count on one hand how many of them were good shows just two. Wolverine, the X Men, the anime series. Well, uh, well a couple of the Spider Man ones were okay. Like, yeah, if well, you, no, if let, you, let's, no, we, let, let, now, granted, there on. were 30 different Spider Man cartoons. Now, let's, let, let's talk about, no, I'm going to make this real short about the Spider Man. Spider Man, anime series. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh. Y'all got Dante up. He's like, hold Amazing. up, hold up. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold up, hold up, wait a minute. Right. Amazing Spider Man, Spider Man's Amazing Friends was okay. You know, it was good for its time. But that junk they had on MTV with Neil Patrick Harris, yeah, get it out garbage. of here. That was garbage. Yeah, that wasn't great. I didn't see that. Yeah, it was oh, not great. Oh, glad you didn't. Your, your eyes would have melted at that point. <laughs> it was not great. Um, Spectacular Spider-Man one? was good. Spectacular Spider-Man, I hear everybody loves that show. And after every, after all that, everything else went downhill. I'm sorry. And then, uh, uh, what was it called? It, was, it wasn't Spider-Man 2099. It was called something else. Uh, Dang it, I forget the name of it. It's on I can't remember it. But it was like Peter Parker in the future. No, I'm sorry. He was on a different planet. Peter Parker. It was like oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, that was, that was, theories that was off really air. weird. Yeah, that was nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it was, was almost like Spider-Man. Too. Yeah, it was like Spider-Man 2099, but it really wasn't Spider-Man 29 because you didn't have Miguel. It was Peter Parker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it, yeah I remember that. I I'll give that, that more then I give anything else. After Spectacular Spider-Man, everything else is garbage. Everything else is just, just a sad play. It, it, it makes me sick. It just makes me crazy. Well, what about... So, uh, so, all right, so let's go. What else was it? They did uh, that, that hot buttered garbage Avengers cartoon they tried to do with like... It, was, it wasn't even the West Coast Avengers. Oh. It was like... I know it was like about. a really bad Force Works book. It was like <laughs> Iron Man was on the first episode, and then it was it was Hawkeye. That was the one with Ant Man. Hawkeye, Ant Man, Scarlet Ant-Man, Witch, Scarlet Witch. Yes. I think Wonder Man was on it. Yeah, it was like boom, boom, man. That thing was. And didn't like they so oh, didn't they have like their each of them had like a special bike or or cycle? No, they had yeah. their armor. They That's had, right, their, their armor. They had super like armor that they would put on. Like at the beginning of the show, they had like it would show them in their armor. But then it was like they were powered up like Power Rangers. Like when yeah. it's time to fight, it yeah. was like boom, ding, like oh, <laughs> Iron Man. Ant Man yeah. got his helmet on. Ant Man was a leader of the team. I remember that one. I did kind of enjoy that one but it wasn't like something i can go back it was watch. not great and you know it's a failure if ant ant man is the leader you know right. it's a failure 
Come on. It was weird. They had Boy. Captain America on there. I forget. There was a story. There was an episode where Captain America was on there, and there was a reason why he wasn't the leader, de facto leader of the group. It was like they held Thor, Iron Man, Captain in high respects, but if for some other reason, they weren't the leaders or on the show. Because they all said, nah. I'm nah not- we're going <laughs> to hang out over here. Right. We'll be over here chilling. Y'all go ahead. We're going to be in the yeah. background on Justice League. Y'all go ahead. Have fun. Yeah, right. We're going to hang out over here because this is way better. Yeah, that was a Man, that was a bad show. I still remember Sundays. Like, Sundays were the best, even though you might trash the Fantastic Four. But it was great because you see, he like, hey there, Marvelites, it's me, Stanley. And then you talk about, he go into the episode of Iron Man and you see Iron Tony Stark building on his armors and you hit they made up the one country, uh, character century for it. I still enjoy that one. Century? Yeah, century. Remember, he was on Iron Man. Yeah, there was a character. He was gray. He had the like red painted eyes. Oh. Like the century? Not the century. They, they just called him Century. Yeah, oh, okay. it's not the century. It's oh, wait, the century? Yeah. Like 100 years? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay, yeah, from. that's yeah. yeah, I remember you talking about. He was yeah. like gray, he had the white hair, yeah. he had like the paint red, almost like yeah, just his eyelashes, you could say were like red, but yeah, yeah. And then they had um Scarlet Witch in that that new outfit. They didn't have her in the old outfit, they had her in the new one. Yeah. Where it was the gloves, short haircut. I remember that now. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Look at your face. Man. Look at your face, Dante. She got on the she had a new she had a new one. She had a cut and the gloves. Yeah, she, she had the Marvel cut on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that now. Yeah, yeah, you need to yeah. calm yourself down over there, bro. <laughs> yeah, they didn't they didn't really get it right until Earth Fighters Heroes. No, they didn't. Earth Fighters Heroes. For for and like you were saying, like for decades, they could not get it right. It was like and and I love Spider-Man and his amazing friends. It's one of my favorite cartoons ever. And there were there were really well animated episodes of it. And then some of the other ones, it was like, what's happening here? There was like, literally only three well made it well animated episodes, and those were the ones that were the origin stories. All the rest of them were garbage. If you think about, it, they all all those ones are the ones that were the origin. The rest of them are all. Wow, you're right. They were all the origin stories. Oh, snap. Yeah, because the one had the shocker. Yep. Um, the one was the X-Men one. And yeah, oh wow. Oh gosh. Now I feel even worse about that joke. <laughs> Sorry, dog. Sorry. Dog. I just I was I was just watching some of them uh, a couple of weeks ago. Like I watched the one with Swarm and um it was just a, a group of beasts. Action figure <laughs> expert said, "Don't forget the Hulk and the Iron Man cartoons." Oh, I remember the Hulk cartoon. Yeah, because he, he didn't have a real theme, so it was just Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. Like really, that's all you can think of for him is just the Hulk. That's all you can think of for the theme song. Yeah, because the Hulk one Hulk. came out around the same time as Spider Man and the Amazing Friends. No, that was uh, there was, was there was a Hulk one. Yeah, it, I okay, I remember that one. Last very long, but I know. At, they they came out at the same yeah. time, as a matter of fact. Yeah, but I but think Action Figure Expert is talking about the but most yeah, recent yeah, Hulk. The 90s yeah. Ones. yeah, yeah, that nineties one. That was actually pretty good. But the leader, uh, what's oh, his name? Did the voice of the leader? I can't remember. Oh, um, wasn't it uh, my man from uh, Star Trek? Um, oh no, he did the Max Headroom. Uh, oh yeah, uh, uh, Matt Fuhrer. Matt yeah. Fuhrer. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Ariel is, is looking at us like, I don't know any of these cartoons. 
Like I, I don't. I, st- I there was a Spider Man cartoon that I liked that I used to watch after school, but I can't remember which one it was. But it was like the nineties. But I'm not sure what the name of it was. But that was the only other one I watched. Yeah. See. See. Ari- after X Men went off, Ariel said, "I don't. I don't." I didn't even know they kept making cartoons. I didn't watch. Well, anything. that's not true. I was watching different things. I was watching Daria. Oh, that's good stuff. And that was a that was an animated series yeah. that I really loved. Daria was pretty dope, though. Yeah. Watching some Eon Flux too. Huh? You know what? I had to sneak and watch Eon Flux because it came on like late at night because it was kind of it was a little grown up. So I had to sneak and watch Eon Flux. What did I didn't think it was that? What's funny up. though? You it know what? Was... I don't know if what the general consensus is, but I actually liked the Eon Flux movie. I didn't mind it. Ooh, is that the one with uh, Charlie Theron? Theron. I think it's just, is it Theron or are you being no. extra? No, 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 no. Um, yeah, I, 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 said- I didn't mind it. And, and the thing is, but I never saw enough of the original to even really know because I wasn't allowed to watch it. Mm. Um, but I, so I, when I watched that, I was like, oh, I like this. This is fine. But I'm, I'm sure like if I saw the full series, I might have a different opinion of it. I'm trying to think what other animated stuff. Cause I, it's not that I wasn't watching animated things. It's just, I wasn't watching no, the you, things you're talking about. No, yeah, trust me. We were, what we're talking about is garbage. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I, I, so I made good choices you as made, a youth. Yes. Probably. You made good choices in your life. We obviously didn't. So, and I was an adult, so I had no excuse. Well, yeah, actually, right. Yeah. I mean, so like gargoyles, that was another one. Gargoyles was good until the third season. Well, yes, yes. Nobody wants to talk about... That's the Goliath Chronicles, which we just act like that didn't happen. But it did. It didn't. (laughs) It didn't happen. Just like we we ignore those first two Logan movies. Those didn't happen. There's only Logan. That's it. (laughs) That's it. Well, well, wait a minute. The I'll, second I'll the second Wolverine movie is not yeah, bad. Yeah, Wolverine. Wolverine. Wait, that was the, the Silver Samurai one. That's not bad. Yeah. It was bad. It was bad <laughs> because you know what? It, it kind of wrapped it. It did give the third one its ending. Because remember, she said, "I see you covered in blood, and with your heart in your hand." So you she, see my face. I see your face, but I'm just telling you what it is. No, it, I'm gonna tell you what it wasn't. Good. <laughs> I, I mean, it, don't get me wrong; it wasn't great, why? but I thought it was. No, that's not because I, you know, I don't necessarily need to have Storm to enjoy it, but I do like to think that in Logan, a part of him, like mourning the X Men, he misses his love. That's a story that I've written in the in, in behind the scenes. Oh, okay. But, I'm about to say because it was not in the script. But <laughs> days of future past, they had a they they had a scene where they kissed. They cut it out. Yeah. Oh well, they did. I, well, then it didn't happen. She was writing. She was writing notes. Script, like, I mean, well, I mean, I saw the shut up. I saw the deleted <laughs> scene, and I was just mad. You know, it's like why couldn't they keep that in? I like Days of Future Past, but I didn't agree with some of the decisions that they made. Because I think having Kitty be the one that sends Logan back was dumb. Because it's like, at that point, just introduce Rachel. What does it matter? Yeah, do like, something. Yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a strange way to, like, you know, your power to be able to walk through stuff, that means you can walk through time and send right. somebody. What? 
How? Yeah, and that hold is, on. Like, Wait, you're doing kitty do what? I was writing it down. I'm like, hold on. So you can. You're sitting there trying to do the math. Yeah, I'm sitting there like this doesn't this doesn't add up. And in a world full of people that can do all kinds of amazing stuff, no. But I think that what they're trying to do is like almost make it like secondary mutation. But it's like mm, I don't know if this is the place to introduce that because you don't have any time to give to it. It's like I don't have any basis for Kitty to be able to do this thing that you're now saying Kitty can do, yeah. and we yeah, and you it. don't have time to share that with us. So just make it Rachel. Be like, oh, this is the telepath that's going to send you that you back. Boom, boom, and boom. Especially since that's who did it in Days of Future Past. You know, I don't know. It just didn't. I thought that was silly. Well, I didn't like. I didn't think uh, um, Days of Future Past the movie was. Well, actually, I didn't like it. All right, let's be honest. Oh, you did not like it. I, I didn't think it was bad. But the, the reason why I didn't like it was because I felt it was a cop out. I honestly f- thought that with um, X Men First Class, that their actual intention was to reboot, totally reboot the X Men movie right. series, right? I think that was their 100% their intention. They wanted to do them as period films and and this was a way of reintroducing X-Men into the movie universe and that by the time it got its way up to the newer X-Men that people had loved from the first set of movies, they could do a recasting. And it was only because they they punked out and I think because didn't Brian Singer do Age of Age of Apoc? I mean, um, Days of Future Past. I think they brought him. I back. can't I, remember actually. I think they I brought didn't... him in for for that movie, and I think they punked out at that point, and then just combined the two uh, movie universes because they didn't feel it was selling as as big as. Um, you know what what the original series had done. Yes, I, I, it was directed by Brian well, Singer. And yeah, I didn't, but I, I didn't like all the decisions that they did. The, all the decisions that they made in First Class, because First Class, that's the one where Kevin Bacon is Sebastian, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And again, so it's like, all right, so if you want me him to be Sebastian Shaw, it's like let him be Sebastian Shaw. Like, don't like I don't like when you introduce a character and then you show them doing things that that character doesn't do. Like, there's a scene. I think in uh, X-Men The Last Stand where it, it the Psylocke is in it, but then they show her blending into a wall, which is, I don't know the girl's name, but she's a Morlock and she's flat like paper. That's what she does. And it's like, okay, well, don't make it Psylocke if she's not going to do Psylocke things. That's just dumb. Yeah, but that's X-Men and I feel The like, Last Stand. But I feel like they do that so many, they do that so often. It's just silly. Yeah, but I didn't think Did you say one? I didn't think his Sebastian Straw was that off model from the Yes, he was. Okay. Nothing about he no. He was. The, the first like the first one was good, and then they started leaning more, they started leaning more like mystique, and that's where I think it really kind of took me out of it. Like well, I think on one character to try to make it through all these movies. Welcome to the well, Troyaverse. And, and maybe if the, the mystique they leaned on wasn't Jennifer Lawrence. Maybe. Uh, welcome to the Troyaverse. Uh, thanks for watching us on YouTube. Says that the director only signed on for the first movie for First Class. And that might be so, but you know, First Class I think was enough of a hit that if they had offered it to him, I'm, I think he would have come back, but he probably didn't want to come back and do some combo plate between uh, that and the 
the next movies. He wanted to do continue with the world of um, what he created. So I don't blame him for not coming back. I still got beef with first class anyway. What's your beef with first class? That Azriel isn't a mutant. Not not even that. Well, that was that was weird <laughs> enough. But what they did to uh, what's the ball name? Uh, oh, Darwin. Darwin. I knew that was going to come up. Oh, well, see, here's the thing. No, but the thing with Darwin is, like, that's who Darwin is. So I was waiting for them to, like, bring him back. Yeah, because exactly. That's the whole Somewhere. thing. So, and and the, the funny thing is, they even did that in the book. Like, he died in, in first class. And then, like, decades later, they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, he's back. He came, came well, back. Well, yeah, I mean, he converted himself to energy yeah. so that he wouldn't die because energy cannot be destroyed. Yeah. And then he right. used it to sustain um, uh, the third Summer's brother. What the heck is his name? Vulcan. 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 Yeah. Yeah, like, I thought, I mean, I thought, okay, can we just talk about that? Like, Deadly Genesis, Ed Brubaker's Deadly Genesis, oh, I thought was magnificent. So and and it, it was good because he told this whole other story. He introduced this whole other team and also revealed that Xavier was a bastard from the beginning, which yes. I liked. And but he it doesn't say terrible, it terrible doesn't days. it doesn't discount, it doesn't nullify anything that happened you know that that is canon it's like he told this other story like beautifully in between the holes that were left in the first story and i just thought it was so well done i liked the character sway i liked petra you know i i and vulcan was probably my least favorite but i really liked darwin yeah. and then i liked that darwin was black even though he doesn't look black you meet his mother and his black lady with afro and i said yep and he, the fact that he's in just this constant state of evolution, I was just like, this is, this is it. So yeah. I wasn't actually mad at about his death because you, because it's Darwin. So yeah. I didn't even, I, I didn't even read it like he died. I was like, oh, he just doing his Darwin thing. He'll be back. But it right. makes sense. It makes sense that he doesn't come back because Brian Singer comes on to the next movie. And as we've just learned in the secret origins of the X-Men by way of Larry Houston, that Brian Singer only learned about the X-Men from the cartoon, which was way before Darwin was created. So it right. makes sense that he, he wouldn't even care about Darwin. Well, that was a mistake. <laughs> and my other issue with my other issue with um first class was I did not like the casting for Angel. Um, oh, uh, Zoe, Zo Zoe, Zoe Kravitz. Kravitz. Yeah, because like Angel is like, she's like Afro-Latina. She looks like La Negra. Like, so she's dark-skinned. She got like a big kinky fro. And again, this is what they do every time when it's time to cast a black woman. They're like, well, let's get a mixed one. And it's just like, well, yeah, I mean... I don't have an issue with Zoe Kravitz, but that's not what the character looks like. And you think about Days of Future Past, like the guy they cast for Bishop. I thought that was beautiful casting. I was yeah. like, this guy looks good. And even Darwin, like they didn't do the gray skin in the movie, but the dude that they cast to play him, I don't know the actor's name, but he had this very gaunt skeletal look about him, which is, yeah. is Darwin's skeletal design. So even though they didn't do the skin tone, they you know, he just had his natural skin tone. He, and he looked was like the character. So, but then again, but when they get to the female characters, they always make them lighter. They always make them lighter. And I'm just like sick of it. It's like, the, and again, it's just like, you know, there's, there's like reference material. You know, you, this is not a mistake you had to make. Just like with Avatar, the last airbender, you, you out here mispronouncing people's names, there's source material. Just 
like watch right. an episode. You're you know right. what I mean? And don't and don't make those like those dumb mistakes because I think you know fans that are that are going into these other modes of storytelling for the characters they love is like really off putting. Uh, Welcome to the Troyverse wants to know is is anybody reading Jonathan Hickman's uh, X-Men books and the the stories that have followed in its wake? Um, Dante, you are shaking your head like fever. Yes, 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 yes. I have to. You you have to. Hawks and Pox are the best best X-Men things I've ever read personally. Like he just he was like, all right, I'm gonna take all this. And punch it right in the testicles and put it all around. And like, he made Moira McTaggart amazing. Like, and she was cool. Right. Now she's amazing. Um, I'm, I, you know, what with everything happening and whatnot, I'm a, a bit behind on on the the uh, the X Men books. But like, the first six issues of all of that stuff that came out after Hawks and Pots was fantastic. The X Men, the X Men book, it's uh, specifically the one he was writing. His New Mutants book was a lot of fun. Um, New Mutants Marauders is, good. is amazing. Marauders, Marauders is, is fantastic. Um, and so I, I hope they continue They're doing this whole thing. Uh, the was it the X of Swords or Sword X? I think it's something a, about Swords. A, yeah, X, X of Swords. I think X of Swords. Yeah. Um, it which is kind of the next thing that's that's happening that's running through all of the books. Plus, they just put out like five new ones, four or five new X titles. Um, there's a group of uh, sidekicks. I forget what that one's called. Cable's got his own book now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a, several new ones as well. So there's like eleven X books now. The like, sidekicks one is is it's pretty good art. It's it's definitely almost like um, oh god, it's kind of like you know like Xavier School of imaginary mutants uh type of vibe to it but um, yeah, yeah yeah but it's it's great artwork on it i will say that um some of the books have left me because i've i've had to stay more up on them because of uh spoiler alert and they're not they're not bad some of them leave me a little bit cold um some of them are trying to mimic jonathan hickman's way of writing and i don't think they've got his his uh yeah he, his style on he, yeah he's a different dude man he he writes long form but like i w- extraordinary long form stuff but i will say this and and ariel i don't know how much you're up on it one of the things that i did um yell about on spoiler alert about what has happened in the wake of these x books is that i don't like what has happened to storm I don't like yeah, that. Like- Storm has pretty much been sidelined. She is she at one point Storm was probably the number one woman in the X-Men universe. I mean, she was a leader of her own team. I mean, she led, so she was right. in the book. But I think cuz if you read Black Panther, like there's still these sequences where he's dreaming about her, like he there she's still very much like in the mythos of Black Panther. So I I personally feel like they're kind of starting to remove Storm from X-Men stories because of eventually they want to put her back in Black Panther because, you know, now there's talk of possibly Storm being in the movie, the new movie. Right. right? And so for me, like the, what's frustrating about that is just so it's like so we just throw away everything that makes Storm Storm so that she can be 
Black Panther's love interest. And it's like, so I can't even read Black Panther now because every time I crack it, there's like some mention of Storm and I just throw the book away. Because <laughs> for me, it's like, I think it's disrespectful to her. And it's it like, is. especially because she's been rocking out for decades and, and and you know black panther was a b character at best until that movie exactly like, and, and not saying it wasn't good and not saying that people didn't read it but it's like he wasn't a heavy hitter he no. wasn't like you know what i mean the people would have been like oh who was that so now you know ryan coogler worked his magic so now everybody's black panther black panther wakanda wakanda and so now it's just like you're blending storm into like oh wakanda forever she's kenyan Mm-hmm. Like she's she's American because she's born in Harlem. She's Kenyan. She was raised in Cairo. She is not Wakandan. So don't let her her culture of who she is Be get lost. melted into just like this larger oh Wakanda. It's like that's a that's a whole different country to which she is not a part. She married into it, right? But then they that got a no because a- AVX, and at the end of the day, she chose the X Men, which I think makes sense, right? Because mm-hmm. that's her team, right? I don't know. I just get so mad. I just get mad. It's like, get that black lady her respect. Well, I got mad because we, in reviewing, and I think it was an X-Men book, there's literally one book where Storm is barely in the book, but all of a sudden she gets some kind of like brain fart and like passes out. And she needs- Or some gene stuff. Storm don't pass out. Well, she passed out here. and then she the, don't pass out. What? Even when Doctor Doom put her in a statue, when they she ain't pass out. When they un, when they got her out of that statue, she was she had ascended. She was God level. Okay, well she, she don't as, pass out. She ascended and hit the roof because she was out <laughs> in this book and and then in the next book, the entire book was spent with Jean Grey and Emma Frost walking through the brain of Storm to try and figure out what's wrong with her. And even in doing that, it wasn't even an, an exploration of the character. It was more... Oh, yeah, that was uh, astonishing. Right, it was more... Yeah, the one that just came out, yeah. It, it, well, it came out, yeah, it came out like a, a couple, I think maybe a, a month or so ago. It, 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 it was... Um, and even then, it was still more an exploration about those two and their friendship with one another, as opposed to them walking through the head of this black woman. And it was at that point where I actually told my my bulls on spoiler alert, yo, um, we can keep reviewing X Men books on here if y'all want, but it won't be me reading them because this is because I, I'm not even I'm not down with this. This is this is this is BS. And that's interesting to me because they have Jean and Emma have a similar scene like that. I think in Grant Morrison's run, where they're in Xavier's head, I think they have scenes like that. Every about about Cassandra Nova and all that, but like they've done, like, like again, I don't need Emma and Jean to be buddy buddy. Right, right. And I think, I think even. Emma being in Emma being in Storm's head is disrespectful given their history. It's like That's what I you thought. stole her whole body. You stole her whole body, and I have no doubt that Emma has sex with Sebastian in Storm's body. <laughs> I was like, I do think that happened off panel. Because at one point <laughs> in that in that book, Sebastian's like, oh, it's, it's, Something about you being different, but still a very lovely white queen, or something. I was like, Elsa, <laughs> <laughs> body, you can't do that. 
know. Yeah, I know. I just, I feel like they're just throwing Storm away. Like, I think there's so much you could have done with her. And I think she does really shine with the X-Men. It's like hard to make her all of who she is when she's, you know, the, again, the wife of, as opposed to just being who she is. So that's always going to be my issue. And so that's why, like the, like the Hickman stuff, like the, House, um, House of X, Power, Power of Ten, of X. Or Power yeah. Ten, yeah, and and House of X, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I like it's really it, all that stuff is like really good, but just kind of the when you get to just the like episode of the week, it's just like I'm it's losing me because I'm not seeing who I'm you know tuning in to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, X Men is fo- X Men is like more focused on the council itself. That's where that book's kind of like, because I think that's what's trying to focus on, like how they're in- trying to be more of an influence on the world and how the world kind of sees them right now. As, but like, why wouldn't of- Storm be on that council? I it, it, I fully agree. I fully agree. I, do I know because like, we're talking about Storm should be on the council because it's and. And intersectional. Mm-hmm. I mean, she did, she is on the council. I forget which part of the council she's on because the council's like kind of split up. Yeah, like, the, the, the way it's the way it's broken down. There's there's about twelve of them, I think, and it's yeah. It, for part the four of it seasons. Is, yeah, and it's like part four seasons, part Hellfire Club because there are rooks and 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 bishops and so on and so forth. The thing that that got me was. As much as I'm enjoying Marauders, right? The idea that Kitty's in charge of a team that Storm is on doesn't make yeah, sense, right? And, right. and uh, I mean, the way they they wrote it, like Storm was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna let you do. I'm gonna let you have this. I'll be over here for you when you mess up." But it just seemed weird. It seemed weird. It's and, a well written book, but it, it's that a good, was it, just it, odd to me. But wasn't Kitty's been the leader since Blue, right? Right. Yeah, I think she's been a leader for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, but but even that just it didn't make sense. It was like, but Storm's on this team. What? Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like Cyclops not taking a back seat to any team he's on. Yeah. You and know now why I mean? Storm really taking the back seat? And now that uh, Kitty is actually dead in the books, um, and Wait, I she, she died. I missed yeah. that. Uh, I don't read Marauders. That's why I. Had a, uh, Marauders is probably one of the better ones. Oh, who killed her? I didn't. I am not reading that. Either. Uh, Sebastian Shaw did, as a matter of fact. Really? Yeah, it actually was not. It, it actually is a good book. It actually is a good book. But she's dead, and I'm not. I'm not even sure. I don't think uh, Storm is the leader of the team. I think she's still on the team, but I don't. I don't think she's on the on there. Even though I See, think, and that just doesn't even make sense because again, her relationship with Kitty. If something happened to Kitty, like it would be a reckoning. Like. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's weird. It's weird, but we're running out of time. It's already ten fifty eight. Um, we hope you've enjoyed this edition of Black Tribbles, ladies and gentlemen. This show will be available for your download pleasure any place and every place that you find podcasts tomorrow morning. Um, please leave us a five star rating and review. Let people know that you like us. Tune in tomorrow on YouTube and on Facebook for the Infinity Equation with Woo-hoo. the Friday Night Delight with uh, Dark. 
Joker Zen Tribble himself. Thank you to Larry Houston for um, joining us uh, this this evening and becoming uh, unbelievably the first and only Wolverine Tribble inside the Tribble Nation. Um, and next week we've got more surprises coming for you here on Black Tribbles. Please, everyone, be safe out there. Be good to one another. For the yep. Super Tribble, for Dark Joker Tribble, for the Uncanny Tribble, for Storm Tribble, Master Tribble, the Super Saiyan Tribble, for each and every one of you Tribbles, and for all the Tribbles that you have. This is the Bat Tribble, and in parting, we say, Sport, Billy, good sport. <laughs> That works. <laughs> it does. Good night. Cobra. Cobra.